Well, good morning. It's really good to see all of you here today. It's a special day for us uh, here at Faith. Over the course of this morning, uh, 13 people are being baptized. Uh, three of those will be baptized in this service. And in a few minutes, we'll hear a video <clears throat> with excerpts from all 13 of the, t- the stories of excerpts of testimonies of all 13 of those being baptized. It'll just be a sample of them expressing their faith in Christ and what God is doing in their lives, perhaps the circumstances that led them to trust in Christ, that they'll be expressing basically their desire to live as disciples or followers of Jesus Christ. And then after we watch the video, then we'll have the actual baptisms. In preparation for the baptisms, uh, I want us to consider a passage. It's in Luke 9, verses 23 through 27. If you have a Bible with you, you can turn there. Luke 9, 23 through 27. But it's a passage in which Jesus talks explicitly about what it means to be his disciple. And what's significant about this passage is that Jesus starts off by talking about the cost of discipleship, what it costs to actually follow him, and then he talks about the cost of non-discipleship, what it costs to not follow him. And as we'll see, the, the cost for not following him is far, far greater than the cost of following. Let me set the context. In the previous verses, the disciples confess that Jesus is Christ. They come to this understanding that Jesus is the Messiah who will establish the kingdom of God on earth. And at that point, Jesus reveals to them that as the Christ, and they never would have seen this coming, that as the Christ, he's going to go to Jerusalem, he's going to suffer, he's going to be killed, and then raised on the third day. And so with that context, Luke records Jesus teaching about the cost of discipleship in verse 23. And Jesus said to all, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. And so to come after Christ is shorthand for being his disciple. And Jesus says that anybody who wants this, this is an invitation that's open to anybody who will accept it. If you want to come after him, be his disciple, uh, your life needs to be marked by three things. First of all, a disciple, he said, you must deny yourself. And to deny in the Bible is the polar opposite of to confess. And so Christians are those who confess, they, they profess that Jesus is Lord, not in some vague sense, but in the sense that Jesus is my Lord. He died for me, therefore, by his grace, I will live for him. And so if you're a disciple of Jesus, you confess that that you are not your own master, but that Jesus is your master. And so you're not committed to doing what you want. Therefore, if you confess Jesus as Lord, you have to you have to deny yourself in significant ways. You basically say, I give up this, I renounce this right to be my own Lord. And so if there are desires, if there are plans I have that are at odds with his desires and his plans, then he wins. I say no to myself. I say yes to him. Second, he says, a disciple must take up his cross daily. And so remember, Jesus had just told his followers, I'm going to Jerusalem and I am going to take up a cross. I'm going to die in Jerusalem. Therefore, if you want to come after me, you too are going to need to take up 
your cross. You need to do it daily. Discipleship is not an occasional thing. It's not a weekend thing. It is a daily commitment to follow him. Leon Morris uh, very famously made the, made the comment that in that culture, if you saw somebody carrying a cross, they were on a one-way trip. They would not be back. And so when Jesus said, take up your cross daily, he's talking about daily, die to self, say no to, him, no to self, and yes to him. Third, a disciple actually follows Jesus. In those days, it was real easy to tell who Jesus' disciples were, right? They were the people that were literally following behind him. Oh, those are the disciples. In our day, it's not quite so simple. In our day, a disciple is one who takes up the life of Christ, learns from him how to live the way he lived, imitate his life, seek to obey everything that he commanded. And so discipleship is this comprehensive way of life. A disciple progressively becomes like Jesus Christ. And you do that by denying yourself, taking up your cross daily, and then following him. And so that's the cost of discipleship. It's very significant. Jesus never tried to hide the cost. There was no bait and switch. There was no no, uh, downplaying what it would cost. It will be costly if you want to be a disciple of Jesus. However, in the next few verses, Jesus makes very clear the cost of non-discipleship, the cost of not following him, is far, far greater. Verse 24, for whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. And so if you save this life, if you save your life, you have a life here on earth. Maybe you've built it yourself. Maybe it was handed to you, but it's your life without Christ. And if you seek to preserve that, you seek to protect that at all all costs, you don't deny yourself. You don't live for him. You're your own master. You live for yourself. Jesus says, you can do that. We have this freedom. You can do that, Jesus says. But you need to know that if you save your life, in this world, you'll end up losing your life in the next world. But if you lose your life for his sake, if you become his disciple, you will experience a salvation that begins here, but in the next life, it, it is something. It is so, so fantastic. You cannot fathom what it will be. Then you will really save your life. And Jesus asks a question in verse 25 that reiterates this. He says, for what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and, and loses or forfeits himself? And so the scenario he's putting forth is you have this life and you save it and, uh, and uh, you live for yourself and it turns out you are very, very successful. You get it all. You have wealth, you have fame, you have power. And so you, you are the king of your little kingdom. You gain the whole world. Jesus says, what does it profit you if in this life you gain the whole world? But when Jesus comes and establishes his kingdom, you're not part of it because you don't want to be part of it. And if you can't enter that kingdom, you'll end up forfeiting your life. What kind of trade-off is that? Again, in verse 26, he reiterates what will happen on the day, that day. 
He says, for whoever is ashamed of me and of my words, of him will the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in his glory and the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. And so if you're a disciple of Jesus, if you gladly follow him, you're not ashamed of him or his words. Like Apostle Paul in, in Romans 1.16, he said, I am not ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God for salvation to all who believe. Why would he be ashamed of that? And so a disciple is not ashamed. But he says, if you are ashamed of Jesus and his words, his teaching, his way of life, his death and resurrection, Jesus says, of you, he will be ashamed when he comes. And so again, the cost of non-discipleship could not be higher, could not be more costly. And so if, if you are not yet a follower of Christ, if you've not yet bowed the knee to Jesus Christ, please know that Jesus went to Jerusalem, Jesus suffered, he died on the cross to pay for your sin. God so loved you that he sent his son and his son gladly came and he died for our sin that you might have new life. And if that is even a possibility, that's something you should, make, you should be urgently curious about. And I take it that almost everybody in the room is curious about something here. You may be curious about Christ. You may be curious about somebody who's getting baptized. Why are they letting them put them under the water? What's going on here? You may be curious about this. You know, listen to these testimonies as people share their experience. They, they vary. They're in different stages of life. There are different circumstances that led them to consider Christ, become loyal to Christ. But I would encourage you to be curious. Talk to them. Uh, talk to, if you need somebody, that if you don't know anybody that's really following Christ, let us know. There are many people that would love to talk to you. Seek yourself. Uh, the life, the thing that they have in common is that they've all experienced new life in Jesus Christ, the miraculous new birth where they have new appetites, new desires that they, they did not have before. Please know that is available to anyone who wants to be Jesus' disciple. And so each person being baptized will make a series of affirmations that reflect the teaching in the passage we've looked at this morning. Basically, they're saying, I want to deny myself, take up my cross, and follow him. And uh, uh, the three affirmations uh, that we'll look at, uh, that I want to read to you now, are the affirmations they will make right before they're being baptized. And so here they are. The first, uh, each will be asked these affirmations. First of all, trusting in the gracious mercy of God, do you turn from the ways of sin and renounce Satan and all the spiritual forces of evil in the world? And their response is, I renounce them. Secondly, they'll be asked, do you turn to Jesus Christ and accept him as your Lord and Savior, trusting in his grace and love? I do. And finally, they'll be asked, will you be Christ's faithful disciple, obeying his word and showing his love? And their response is, I will with God's help. And so they're not saying, I've arrived and I'm strong now, I can do this. They're saying, with God's help, with God's grace, I will seek to follow Christ and do his will.
And then they will be baptized, and then we will be asked to what our response is. And here's the question that you'll be asked, and you'll say this out loud uh, together. We'll be asked, people of God, what is our response? And we'll say, we receive you into the family of God, live and proclaim the gospel of Christ, and share with us in life everlasting. So in this service... Uh, we have three being baptized. Allison Snowert will be baptized by Olivia Tollison. Uh, Hannah Butler will be baptized by Grace Brannon. And then I will be baptizing Elijah Boyinger. And so if you're being baptized or if you're baptizing someone, uh, please join me in the back now as we prepare. Everyone else, please uh, pay attention or fix your attention on the screen and you'll hear the testimonies. So I was in the car and my and we went into the garage and then um our dad was talking about letting Jesus into your heart. So then I just prayed and I let him into my heart. I love him so much. And I just really wanna believe that he is our Christ and that he really is our savior. I just want to know, let everybody know that I put my, that I let Jesus in my heart and I just want to have him come back in my lifetime. I would like um, to thank Mr. Scotty and my dad. He's just been helping me so much and my grandparents and my mom and my brothers have really helped me too. Um, I put my faith in Christ. Um, I remember doing it as a child, um, but never really knew Christ until sophomore, junior year, I started living with my brother, Jacob, who had a strong relationship with Christ and um, just seeing him wake up in the morning, read his Bible, go to church and um, really have a more personalized relationship with Christ other than just checking all the boxes. The difference Jesus has made in my life is uh, before um, knowing him, I really kind of had a belief in myself and that I was kind of in control and um, that knowing God has really taken a weight off my shoulders. Um, when I started to mature in college, I just was having a, a struggle with um, figuring out life and the chaos of life and um, just trying to control everything and being able to release that control to someone with a lot more wisdom has been very helpful for me. I started meeting with a really good friend um, for discipleship and she kind of helped me become more comfortable talking about Christ and kind of just guided me. It's very comforting to know that he loves me for who I am and he's very intentional. I also really appreciate that he provides me with such knowledge and wisdom and just the Bible in general. It's so powerful. Something that God is teaching me, um, He's taught me to pray for others. Um, I just never knew that the power that praying for others like provides like for me because it just shows like that it's not about me, it's about like my community and the people that I know and love. And so I think that's really special 
My name is Austin Zimmerman. I am 10 years old and I go to Rock Creek Middle School. I put my faith in Christ about uh, three years ago and my grandpa died and it was hard on me. I love God because he loves me and he takes care of everyone. My favorite Bible story is David and Goliath. God helped David defeat Goliath. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. This is my favorite Bible verse. I want to be baptized because I want to be a part of God's kingdom. I would like to thank my family for making it easier for me to follow God. I made the decision to get baptized because I want to strengthen my relationship with God. My flesh and my heart may fail me but God is the strength of my portion forever. And that means a lot to me um, because about a year ago, me and my husband, uh, we went through a miscarriage at nine weeks gestation. So trying to navigate through my healing journey, um, this is very close to me um, because I did uh, come to realize that even though those uh, physical parts of me had failed, God's love will be with you forever and will give you the strength that you need. My name is Elijah Blanter. I go to Marla Elementary. So um, I went to Kansas Bible Camp and um, it was super fun. I walked with this um, teenage uh, guy. His name was Connor. He was like, you can make a prayer about it and then uh, you're um, saved. That's what I did. And then he was like, yeah, good job, you're saved now. And then um, he gave me a high five, I gave him a high five. I love Jesus because he created me in his image. Um, he also made everybody else, so I'm very grateful that he did that. He also died on our, for our sins that, um, that we couldn't pay. I wanna show everybody that I love God, I wanna be part of his family, and I know him and trust him. Well, I came to faith in Christ, looking for more of a purpose in my life. Uh, I started out, you know, just doing my own thing. I believed in a higher power, but I never really followed it. You know, I just believed if I act like a good person, if I am a good person, that'll be enough. But I found that actually coming to Christ and actually opening my heart and learning more about Him, I felt like I had more of a purpose. I wanted to get baptized because I wanted to make that first step to really get to know God and Jesus. I feel like I didn't know where to really start in the past, but I think this is a really good first step to commit to Him. What I love about God, uh, most of all, is just how His capacity to forgive and to love me no matter what. Even at my darkest moments where I turned far away from Him, where I blamed Him for things that have gone wrong in my life, no matter how angry I got, He still loves me. He still forgives me. and He always welcomes me back. He never shunned me, even though I've shunned Him in the past or I just doubted him, he never doubted me or gave up on me. And I think that is something I really love most about God. I came to faith in Christ by growing up in the church, but not knowing him personally. After that, um, about a year and a half ago, I decided that I wanna go all in with Christ and try reading his word daily and getting to know him rather than what I've learned growing up and get to know him wholeheartedly, so I put my faith in Christ to Him and I never look back. The main person I want to thank is my best friend from high school, Olivia. She really was able to show me personally how radically Christ can transform your lives. She had gone through a lot of really hard things and 
once she met Christ, she was restored from them. So it's really impactful for me. God's been teaching me patience a lot lately. It's really easy to want to know all of the answers right away and be able to zoom through the Bible and get to know every fact for head knowledge, but God's been teaching me to rest in the moments as I'm reading things and to pause and really reflect on what I'm reading as opposed to trying to zoom past it and get to know everything all at once. In Ecclesiastes 3, God has made everything beautiful in its own time. Uh, right back to timing about how God does things that you don't make sense in the moment, but when you look back on it, you just thank God for all the things that you once thought were horrible that turned out to be something beautiful. I grew up in the church. I'm going to church every Sunday, and I feel like faith was a big part of just my upbringing. Um, but I feel like it was more of just a Sunday type thing. Coming into college, I met like a couple guys that were really deep in their faith, um, and their lives just looked like a whole lot different uh, from mine. And so, like, I befriended them, um, and like through just like um, just a growing relationship, um, one of the guys sat down with me um, and shared the gospel with me, um, and it kind of became clear that I was like, well, like I'm my life looks a lot different and I'm truly like really not living and putting giving it my all um, to Jesus um, and so October 2020 came where I was just kind of like I was just kind of broken down I was like hey I want to go all in you know I'd have to say my favorite Bible verse um, and one I've leaned on the most um, recently is just Matthew 6 um, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well I feel like uh, that verse really speaks to me a lot of just um, saying really that like um, if we seek um, Jesus first um, and anything that we do, wherever we're at, um, He promises that He will provide for us, He'll be with us. Um, and if we truly make Him like the center of our lives, that um, He will be there and he'll, be, he'll provide for us. My name is Ella. I am in first grade. I go to Bluma Elementary School. Something that I love about God is He still loves us when we um, do something wrong. My favorite Bible story is the little boy that shares his lunch with thousands of people. It's because Jesus does a miracle. I would like to thank my whole church for helping me learn about God. I'd say I first put my faith in Christ earlier this year. So I grew up with a faith background. I grew up in a Christian household. I knew who Jesus was and I knew that he had died for my sins, but I wasn't really sure like what I had to do on the other end of that. And I didn't know that God really wanted and desired that personal one-on-one uh, -on -one relationship with us. I got invited to SMC in the winter. And while I was there, I just felt really connected and so loved and forgiven by not only everybody around me, but something that I knew was bigger than us. And I just knew that was God. And I knew that he was um, in that moment, like pulling me towards him and wanting that relationship with me. So I kind of decided to just put everything I had into growing the kingdom. So I've kind of struggled with anxiety a lot of my life. And especially coming into college, such a big step my favorite scripture is Philippians 4, 6, which is just a really good reminder that there is a path and there's a future set out to, set out for me. And I have a purpose in this world and that my purpose is to make him known. And I don't really have to worry about what other things I need or what other things I desire because it's that's not what I'm living for anymore. So I grew up in a Christian household, grew up learning about God, um, hearing the gospel, went to a very strong church 